Hello there, and thanks for joining us here at Lions Guide, where we empower you with the resources you need to reach heightened levels of success in your performance, leadership, and business. On these episodes, we set out to explore the stories of our guests and the lessons they've learned. We also interview various subject matter experts, review books, and also tap into other resources to help you establish clarity, have courage, and lead the way. I'm your host, Dale Walls, and I'm the founder of Lions Guide. And what we have for you today is an episode of the Lions Guide Leadership Series called The Flip Side of Leadership with Lions Guide Leadership Coach and Program Director Keith Flip Griffin. In this episode, Keith discusses the lessons that he is most grateful for from the late Colin Powell. Powell's wise words will forever challenge leaders to give the best to those they serve, and Keith is honored to have called him a mentor. This episode delivers some powerful insights on leadership, and you're going to love it. But before we get started, hit that subscribe button now so you don't miss any of our other great guests and content. Also, make sure you head over to lionsguide.com and check out our free resources, including the latest ready sheet downloads, book reviews, community events, live streams and trainings, new courses, discounts on memberships and workshops, and a whole lot more. Especially if you're a business owner who wants to perform and lead at your highest level, head over to lionsguide.com and access our free resources today. And with that all said, let's start the show. Welcome to Thursday and welcome to another edition of the Flip Side of Leadership. I'm Flip, as always, and uh, look, thanks for stopping by today. I appreciate it uh, of listening to me today. And listen, it's a great week. Uh, it's a great month, really. Um, it's my birthday month, but better than that, uh, we get the five Saturdays in the month. And so today we get to have the opportunity to discuss uh, the mentor files. And we've done this before. And the last time I did it was with uh, about General Mattis, Secretary Mattis, James Mattis. And uh, absolutely, you know, it, it's a great experience to be able to do this. It's, 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 listen, my ground rules for mentors are pretty simple. I have two kind of categories. I have a category, um, really three. One is the up close and personal people that I actually know and trust and have guided and led me throughout my life. Um, not only pointed me in the right direction, but also put a foot in my butt when I needed it, right? And, and gave me a swift kick when I needed it to those things. And, and really, rules for mentorship are very simple for me. They have to be able to be someone who can tell you the truth. Sometimes it's going to be brutally honest, and sometimes it's going to be, uh, you know, what you need to hear. Uh, and good morning to our LinkedIn user. I'm pretty sure I know it's probably Jay-Z, but good morning to everybody else who's going to be on today. Um, and, and listen, I, when I look at mentors, I, you know, it's, it's not hard to look far. We went with Mattis on the first one. Um, and, and so today I really want to take, take the time and, and talk about Colin Powell, because to me, you know, Colin Powell was one of the premier mentors of leadership that we could that anyone can look at. And uh, I promise you, whether you're a civilian or whether you're military, um, we're going to get into his 13 rules a little bit, but it, instantly applicable to anything you do, right? I mean, 
just life, life in general. They're not even leadership. They're just life in general um, are just, it's just phenomenal to have his 13 rules, to know that they were broken up um, over kind of, you know, that, that he just made them up on a whim during an interview, um, I think is important. But let me go back to why mentors to me, especially mentors from afar. So Powell and Mattis, I didn't know personally. Um, they're, they're that second category of people that you respect and you learn lessons from them um, from, from afar, right? And there'll be a couple others we get to talk about. Um, and then the mentorship of, of people who make, who, who write books about leadership, right? So that's the third level of mentorship or principal mentorships of principles of leadership that I look at and I say, hey, man, Patrick Lencioni wrote something or, you know, someone else wrote something that I, I very much so take into account under my thing. So the mentor follows today. Um, we're going to talk though about Powell and, and, and rightfully so. And so again, for me, something about mentors that I think is important is I happen to be drawn to mentors who are maverick. And when I say that they're maverick, I mean, they take risks, they're imperfect, right? And they're, they, they go against the norm at times. And Powell's no exception to that. Right, he's definitely not an exception. We'll we'll talk a little bit about the big elephant that he. Uh, it was a regret for him, but uh, he really truly believed he had had the best information um, when he went in front of the UN Council and did that. And that, listen, he he regrets. He knows the implications of what that meant. It, it got us into a twenty year war. He understood that all the way up until his death in twenty twenty one, and you know. But something else about maverick mentors and maverick leaders that their their imperfections also make them very grounded, right? They're down to earth across the entire organization. There's countless tales of Powell going and talking to the most junior folk about things, right? Um, and seek trying to seek consensus, right? But not be not be ruled by it, but seeking consensus when he had all the power in the world that he didn't need to, right? And and those are those are. My gosh, those are those lessons are just they can be used anywhere, right? Any single place that you can be. And lastly, I think for me, mentors from afar, which is what this category really is dove into, really are they're relatable. Like you can look and I, I wish I wish I had the opportunity to do it, but you always have that saying, if you could have dinner with one person in the world, you know, it, it'd be a really big toss-up between Powell and, and Mattis and and just to be able to talk to them and, and have a scotch and, and just talk about uh, a bourbon, I should say, and uh, and just just be able to talk to them because I think that that's that's a relatable trait of for me for leaders is that they end up into that bucket of being being really really kind of just down to earth, right? Just they could be your next door neighbor, and you could you know cut the grass together and then maybe play cornhole overnight with drinking some you know, Labatt's Blues or whatever your, whatever your choice is. So um, so how did I get into Powell? Um, honestly, it was another mentor of mine at the time. And I had just, this is back in, let's see, 2007. Um, I, had, I, I had just made the next rank, the next level of leadership in the Navy. And I was nervous. I'll be honest. It kept me up. I was like, am I ready for this? And I went and talked to, to one of my, my, my chiefs, my leaders who were in charge of me. 
And I have always been the person, and I, I think this should be you too, whether you're in an organization that has a, a hierarchy and you're trying to move up the ladder, in the military especially, I will promote this idea. Find a mentor, not only within your scope and field, but find a mentor outside of that, right? Find someone outside who's not who's not stovepiped into thinking, well, this is how it is because this is how I was taught. Because, and don't get me wrong, there are 100% reasons that, you know, having a mentor inside of a job scope that you do is worth it. They're going to tell you what's there potentially to get promoted. But if you want to grow and you want to become more than just the next level of your job or you're, you're in your lead, like you need to, you need to look outside. And so for me, I had met a guy named Chuck. Uh, who was I looked up to and I would go to him and talk to. He was not within my necessarily my chain. And, and you know, after one day, he I was asking him things about life. Right. I was asking him. Typically, I said, how do you do you have kids? I would just I was just having we were just about to have our second child. And I said, how do you do this? How do you just deploy and, and whatever? And he gave me amazing advice, which I, I believe to this day is important. And, you know, I was on the USS Kitty Hawk at the time, so we was deploying for the first time in my life. We're still, you know, Danny and I had been married in 2002, so you're talking, you know, it hasn't been, hadn't been that long at that point in time, you know, five years. And, you know, he handed me a book and he had given me the leadership secrets of Colin Powell. And I was like, okay, cool. This is great. And then I'll tell you what, I soaked it in. It's what I needed at the time. And I still need, obviously. Uh, it had his 13 rules in it. It was um, informative. It was down to earth. It was easily readable for someone of my, at that time, let's see, I was probably 26, 27. So it was digestible for me to that, to that, you know, uh, and, and Powell's are, period. Powell's are very much digestible. Um, but but he was, you know, it was relatable. And his 13 rules were were exactly things that at that level of leadership, I could take it on and say, man, I can do these. These are these are easy to do, right? Or not easy, but they're 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 down to earth, right? There weren't some psychologically based, whatever personality driven leadership tactics. This was everyday, this was every day. Like you could look at it and just say, Man, you could do this every single day. And and they've been ingrained in my ever, everyday leadership, you know, seminar and my every leadership, my everyday leadership series is that is is broken, is broken down from some of these things. And so um, now look, Paul specifically, I, I mean, listen, one of the things I respected, he broke barriers, right? Uh, of being an African American, of being the first joint chief of staff, being the first secretary of uh, state, like that. Like but he also, he didn't let that get to his head. He treated himself as a leader. He thought of himself as a leader. And, 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 but, but again, it didn't define him. Right. I mean, there was, there was definitions of that and, and all well worth being the accolades that they, that had, that had meant from it, but he worked his butt off. He saw racism in, in back in the Vietnam era. He understood being an officer and what that was still in the military. Right. Um, but Powell from the start was known as the soldier's general. He knew to go talk to the young grunts and to and, and the young soldiers and to talk to them and get their perspective on what was going on. At the same time, you've got stories of him sitting across from Gorbachev and 
right during the height of 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 ending the cold war and, and you're like wow like he was there for that and seeing things and you're like and this is the same guy who you know uh it's just incredible when you when you look at it like that he's also distinctly one of the calmest leaders i've ever seen uh it was the reason why bush and cheney actually went to him and said you're the only one that can push this because no everybody else is going to see somewhat of the bloodlust in our eyes for things, right? They're going to make a connection to my, to George, George Bush was making a connection to his father who hadn't gotten Saddam before. There was definitely connections and Powell was the calm one in the room. And he was routinely, if you look up any things about 9-11 uh, or afterwards, he was routinely the calm voice in the room to say, hey, hold on a second. Uh, I think there, there might be ways to other do stuff. And I, I think that's that takes... You want to talk about taking, you know, taking trust to be able to do that and taking, uh, you know, better sake, a set of balls like that to be able to say, hold on. I know everybody wants this. I know what just happened to us, but let's let's be smart about what we're going to do and how we're going to do it. And he was gathering information and information. And and so it was really, again, and he stayed calm throughout the whole thing. And I, I think that's what was reassuring and why it was believable, right? I mean, it was, if he was, if he was angst up, I think he would have been, would have been kind of surrounded and grouped in with everybody else who, who definitely wanted to go. I don't believe he ever really wanted to go to war to some extent. I believe he, once he saw the evidence of what was presented to him, it was, it was, it was there. Um, but I, I think he didn't want that in the end. He wanted the, the the most kind of safest, most political, most you know route that was going diplomatic route that was going to be that that we could take in order to to make that happen. And, and it just it wasn't coming to fruition, right? And so those have been things that I've looked up to. I've tried to find the middle ground. You know, my direct relation to that was I'm not always normal in, in the way that I think. I do go outside of the scope. I would be considered, I would think, somewhat a little bit maverick in those. And I and I wasn't I was imperfect. I didn't make all the right decisions for stuff. I can remember uh going into leadership meetings with my I would guess they would be junior enlisted uh, you know, or or I should say my first classes. And I, I remember taking off the t my blouse of my uniform and, and being in a T-shirt and I asked everybody else to do the same thing. And I said, let's I'm not Master Chief. I am. This is who I am. And let's talk leadership on a level. I don't want to talk to you how I am. I want I want you to be feel free to open up and feel like it was there. And I, I felt like that made a difference. I felt like I could break down the barriers of who I was and break down those walls of, of rank and say, Let's have an open, honest communication session. And I felt like that was something that, that you know, uh, Powell did. And, and when we get into the, the, the rules here in a second, you'll see, I think ego is tied to rank a lot. And people think that. And I wanted to make sure that I wasn't doing that. And that was, un listen, nobody was doing that. I can tell you right now, not a lot of Master Chiefs still do that. Well, they'll, well, they'll take it off and say, let's just have a conversation about who we are um and because again you're human being to human being I, I talked about that in in you know my core beliefs of everyday leadership is is you know respect is about being a human being to a human being and i'm no better than anyone else just because i was a higher rank as somebody and 
And as a leader, look, you're not any better than anyone else. You put your pants on the same way, right? You put your pants on a leg at a time. I don't know too many people that, and if you do, please write in that you jump into your pants every single day, right? Um, uh, with two legs. We're all the same in those respects, right? And so I think that's important. And Powell was that kind of a person. He related that and it was easily relatable to me at the level that I was at and what I was what I was about to go do in, in my time frame. And so um, so let's get into his 13 leadership rules because I think it's, man, they're so classically important. You know, and if, if you've got them, please, by all means, bring them up, print them for yourselves. If you don't have them, put them on your minor sitting on my, my computer edge about what they are, what they are. So let's talk about them. Um, you know, number one, it ain't as bad as you think. It'll look better in the morning. How many times have we said sleep on it? Sleep on it. Go sleep on it. You know, um, I, I have a boss who is notorious. I love him in the sense that he, one of his best attributes is that if something happens during the week, he'll wait over the weekend and I'll get the phone call and we'll talk about it. And over the weekend, it'll, it'll be a different, it'll be a different way on Monday. And that, I think that's always the best thing that you could do, right? Under reaction, it's not as bad as you think. You know, sleep on it and then go, okay, how do we deal with it, right? Because, look, we're all about fixing problems. We have to fix problems. We have to meet requirements. We have to meet missions. We have to attain our goals that we have. Sometimes you're going to run into it and go, okay, this sucks. All right, take some time. Right. If it's emergency, obviously you can't, but but take some time. Take some time, look at it and go, oh, okay, that's not that's not horrible. Let, let's look at that. And that was his first one that, that he had. And then tied to it is, you know, number two, get mad and then get over it. Right. I mean, because what can you do? What what can you do? I mean, what's the point of getting mad at someone, you know, and, and doing something with that? One, if if you show that anger and and you overreact. You're not, you're adding to what the problem is. You're not, you're not helping the problem. And look, everybody's going to get mad. We're emotional. We're human beings. We've said that. But when you get mad and then get over it and go, okay, move on. What are we going to do from there? Right? Like, how do we fix the problem? Or how, now what do we do from that? And it can be major, right? It can be some major stuff that happens. You guys miss out on a deal that now it's going to take four more months before you can do it again. You, Right? I mean, okay, how do you fix it? Look, if you're smart and you're a great leader and you're planning as a great manager part of your leadership, guess what? You should be planning for if mistakes happen anyway. So just adding the fact of saying, look, what's the point of getting mad? We planned for this. Let's now move on to it, right? Saying, hey, we didn't plan for necessarily this mistake to happen. But we plan for the other three. And now, since we're now in this predicament where we don't have the choice, let's choose from the other ones, right? And then, again, getting mad doesn't help any of that piece. So that's that's number two is get mad and get over it. This, this is one I love. This is the one, to me, is, it's one of the, the, the biggest ones. Is avoid having your ego so close to your position that when your position falls, your ego goes with it. I think that is being... Like, if that isn't the definition of being what a servant leader should be thinking about, man, that is that's servant leadership in a, in a in a nutshell to me, right? 
we talk about spam and you talk about power and you talk about like things getting out of hand. You know, if you lose your job, man, you better, none of those other things go with it, right? So why, why have the ego that goes along with it, right? And he's seen that time and time again where someone gets taken out of a place and that their ego was there with it and all the mach, mach, machismoism that went with it was there. Listen, there's no, no, no reason for it, right? So, you know, again, avoid having that ego. Look, ego's hard. It creeps up. It's a three-letter word. It creeps up on you, right? You're going to sometimes be and, and say things that and act and, and get lost in the sauce of, of privilege for stuff. And that's okay. It's, I mean, you got you to come back from it. But when that hangs on and it's tied to your rank, right? We used to say it all the time, like, I'll, I'll flip you for it. Ha, 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 right? With, in the military with your rank because you wore your rank on your, on your collar. Man, that, that's not the way to be, right? Because that's not necessarily trusting leadership. That's, that's ego leadership. And that's, that's not what you, what you want. And so his number, his number four was it can be done. And I used to have a, a, a commanding officer who said we lead with yes. And that works the same way, right? Um, it can be done. Absolutely. Don't tell me it can't be done. We can get there. And what does it take to get there? Maybe 16, 17, 18 steps, but we're going to achieve it. And you got to believe it. And you got to make them believe it, right? And and so that was, that, that was int- like, that's an interesting one to me. I actually like, instead of it can be done, I loved let's lead with yes about how do we get something done, right? Like, we're going to lead with yes. We're not going to say no. We're going to lead with yes and say, yep, let's go get it, right? Because, look, people want things, you know, and you have to be able to not only achieve them yourself, but you got to make your team believe that you can, that it can be done. Because there's going to be some monumental, staggering odds that you're going to necessarily face. And you're going to have to prove to everybody we can do this, right? Because a lot of times you can't. And you think when you have that mentality – you do more than you believe that you can do. And that's important, right? Um, next is be careful what you choose. You may get it. And that's, listen, it's the grass greener mentality, right? You may say to yourself, hey, I definitely want this. I want it. I want it. I want it. And then all of a sudden you get it and you go, oh, crap. This is not what I thought. Most things you get that you think you've wanted for a really long time and you're choosing it, you know, just they're not what you expect. And you're going to have to do that opposition in this, you know, that comparison, I should say. And you got to be careful about what you choose. Make those choices pre, right? It's the it's the carpenter's thing of, of measure twice, cut once, because you're going to get what you get at the end of it, right? And I think that's important for people to realize of saying, just be careful the way the way you go, Right. You choose someone and you know they're coming with flaws on your team. Okay. You know you got to deal with those flaws. Um, and, and that's, you know, when you look at those, you know, you look at those first five, it rings true with who Paul is, right? It's the simplicity factor of it. It's, 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 it's understanding that he's been in those positions before where he can talk about ego. He can talk about that he's been pissed off about stuff. He's been taught that he said, I'm just going to rest on this one because it wasn't an emergent thing. And, and you, you saw different lights in them, right? And so uh, I think those are important. 
Hey guys, Dale here, and I wanted to take a quick break to invite you to join the launch of the Lions Guide community called The Pride. You see, whether it was at work dealing with the demands of the day or maintaining the demands of my life at home, I always seemed to feel like my struggles were unique, like somehow I was the only one struggling to find joy amidst all the weight that I felt I was carrying each day. And you know, what I've come to realize is that we all have our struggles that we're up against, and it's pretty demanding. The only way to rise to those demands is to decide and make the change to adopt a growth mindset, to be what I call a high performer. And that's why I started Lions Guide. I want to help you break through to the next level of you and your ability to not only meet but exceed those demands on you and in doing so, find your joy again. If you're a growth-minded individual ready to make a change, then I'm here for you. And this is how you get started. I invite you to visit lionsguide.com and sign up to join the Pride. The Pride is the Lions Guide community for growth-minded members like you. Once signed up, you'll get special access to all the free content and resources I'm putting out there. You'll also be invited to join my live online events where I host sessions on personal growth and high performance. You'll also be able to engage with other growth-minded members on our private online group. Also, if you enjoy the podcast as a member, you'll get access not only to all the podcasts, but also the podcasts that have been yet to be released. So get access to all this and more. So break out of that rut, break into your next level, and join me on lionsguide.com, and let's grow together. Go to lionsguide.com and become a member of the Pride today. Now back to the show. Here's a good one. Never, don't let adverse facts stand in the way of a good decision. Think about that one for a second. Don't let adverse facts stand in the way of a good decision. I love that one because we're a database society, right? And everybody wants data. What does data say, right? How many people so far, if you've watched the NFL at all, have already seen, well, the decision to go on it instead of kick the field goal was X amount versus X amount, right? Don't let adverse facts though stand in the way of a good decision. You know in your heart what you're going to choose and why you're going to choose it. There's reasons to gather all your information and you should be gathering information. But if those numbers don't stack up the right way, if those, if those yays and nays don't come out to the way that you think so, you're still, a, you're still the leader. You're still in charge and you need to make sure that those facts don't stand in the way of the decision you need to make because you know it's right. Because ultimately, you have more information than anyone else, right? At least at that level to you. If you have people above you, they're going to have other information for it, but they're going to want an opinion from you about that, right? If that's what you're looking for. So I want you to think about that and say, man, don't let those adverse facts get in the way of good decision. Make good decisions because, right, in, in lieu of those facts, in lieu of them being bad, good, or other right? This is, this is a good one too, right? This is the, this is the, you know, I don't, this is the, I don't care about me necessarily, or I do care about me and not anyone else. It's, it's, you can't make someone else's choices, right? You shouldn't let someone else make yours, right? You can pick your friends, you can pick your nose, but you can't pick your friend's nose, right? So you can't, you need your, and this is a good life lesson, of, of pals where you, you can't, you're not, there's things people are going to do that you can only do so far. I had a great leader over my house not too long ago. He's my neighbor across the street, Marine Corps for 20 years and, you know, deployed twice. He's, he's an E8 and, you know, we got talking about leadership moments and leadership things. And we got talking about how, you know, 
you just you can't the choices you make are are your choices right and and you're gonna we were talking specifically about families and saying we can't we can't make those choices for those people but we can make our own and and, and you know gosh damn it they're not going to change what we do and our influence ours of when you when you really look at getting down to uh how those how, how those decisions other people can make could influence you but if you make but I can't make those choices for people. You have to learn on your own, whether it's a leadership lesson, whether it's a long-term decision, whether it's a money decision, whatever. I can't make those for them. So why would I let them make them for me? I could take them in as data. I could take them in as information, but I can't, I can't let it, I can't, I ultimately have to make that responsibility of that choice. And, and just like everybody has to, has to make their own. Love this one. Check the small things, right? We say it all the time in the military. We still do attention to detail. The small things are going to get you, right? And I, you got to check them. You got to make sure that you're right. Everyday leadership is built upon the small things, right? It's the small things, everyday deeds of ordinary folks that keep the darkness at bay. I tell it all the time that Gandalf uh, from Lord of the Rings is, is, is an influence in there. It's, and Powell backs it. It's the small stuff. It's the little things that make that add up to be something big, right? It's it's in mistakes and mishaps. That's what you you see small. You see the Swiss cheese effect where the holes line up, and those are all small holes. But man, they make it so that you have a big big problem at the very end. So you need to make sure that you're checking those things because it does matter, right? You want to be detailed oriented. You want your people to be detail oriented. You want your people to know that you're detail oriented, so they're thinking the same way because that's important. And the small things are part of it. Right, so his sentence about check the small things. It's not the smallest. It's it's three let. It's three words. He has a smaller one, which is next. It's two words, but it's three words. Yet it's so powerful. Check small things. That I mean, that's it's incredible for that part, right? And that leads us to share credit. We've ta I've talked about this a hundred times. I just talked about it uh, in lesson two, module one, lesson two, when we talk about trust, loyalty, and respect. Uh, it's about giving credit, right? It's not about in sharing it. Listen, and I love that he doesn't say, everybody take credit, give credit to everyone else and, and don't take any for yourself. I, I'm in full agreement. like, we all need, I don't care if you're a leader or not, you need to know you did a good job and you need to get rewarded appropriately. And, and sometimes that's a chick in the hand and add a boy and add a girl. Thanks. To, thanks for working hard. Sometimes that's if you're in the military, it's maybe getting a coin. It's, it's getting a letter of appreciation, right? Too many times. And these are specific for my military folks. And some people understand this too many times. You looked at services who gave out different, the same medal for very different things. Understand where it's not, it's not about just getting a medal that's there. Sometimes it's about getting an attaboy. And man, I'll tell you what, there's definitely plenty of times I would rather have a personal attaboy, you know, on the flight line of when we did something versus any medal that I ever had on my chest. It was definitely worth it to, to have that kind of piece. So that that's important, right? And so I want, think about that when you talk about shared credit. Look, if you're a leader, this is specific and you don't share credit, you're going to lose people's loyalty. You're going to lose their trust. You're going to lose their respect, right? You need to share the credit. If you're the division officer getting, getting, you know, the attaboy from the, from the commanding officer, you better go into those divisional quarters and say, thanks guys. 
I was just in there, and and you better have said, Skipper, these weren't these were my these were the people who made this happen. Thank you for giving me my credit for this, but I need to tell you who they were. Maybe could you come down and, and shake their hands and come to our divisional quarters to do that? Right, that'll mean more than any medal that's on someone's chest or anything for, for that. And it's no different in the workforce, right? Going down and getting off the deck plates and sharing the credit of what you do, or getting on the, the, the manufacturing floor, sharing the credit of what's going on, sharing the company's goals and, and everything else, right? Now, granted, people will tell you, give me my bonus, right? I would rather have a bonus, excuse me. But when you can't, and that's not part of it, you know, going down and just seeing what they're doing and saying hello, I'm telling you, man, that, that's that's part of sharing credit. Um, so when you receive it, you need to make sure that you spread it, right? That's 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 really that part of it. Remain calm, be kind. I mean, dude, you don't get more basic than that, right? When you when you look at it, you know, he he one and I said this from the beginning, one of the calmest leaders, calmest leaders that I know. Right. Mattis is in the opposite sense. Mattis is being known for, you know, I, my gosh, I want to be your friend, but I'll kill you with every chance I get. Right. Or have a plan to kill every single person. I get it. I, I'm, it's fun. Their T-shirts, their their bumpers. I love it. OK. And it's true. It's not saying he's not true. But, man, there's other ways to get stuff. There's other ways to be able to, right? It's a sugar versus salt of how you're trying to get things. And when you want to remain calm and you show that, that's sometimes, man, think about this. Think about the quiet leaders you know, and then they got riled up. (laughs) Then you were like, oh, we know something's happening. Or think about it as a parent. Be a parent and say to yourself, or or remind, remembering when your parents and when they weren't, when they were quiet, Oh, man, that was worse. You screwed up and they were quiet. Then you're like, man, something did. But be kind. I mean, why not? Just there's no reason to be an ass, period. Just be kind to people, right? Stay calm. Don't overreact on things and be calm, right? And and be kind. I mean, they're, they're really good. Have a vision, and be demanding. That is, that's one of the other ones here. That's his 10th of, of, or his 11th, I should say, is have a vision and be demanding, right? That, that should be like that. You shouldn't have to, now listen, everybody's going to make compromises to stuff. You're going to maybe take longer to get to a certain point because of roadblocks and challenges, but stick to that vision, right? And demand if people are going to come along with you, whether because of orders in the military, when you're, when you're forced to go someplace or, in the civilian sector where you're bringing someone on board and saying, do you buy into this? Because if you don't, maybe this isn't for you, right? But as a leader, you need to have that. You need to have the vision of what you want to do. And listen, don't think just because you're mid-level or you only have three people that you don't have your own vision about how you want to run something. One of the things that I was we most learned in our command level school, our executive command leadership school was... You know, when our commanding officer or when your CEO makes their own vision as to how they want the company or the, the, the command to work, and they, they will come and ask you, what do you think? You need to look at their boss. So when you're bringing your own vision to a department or to a team and say, well, what's my overall goal of the company? Or what's my overall goal of the person I'm in? Is this in charge of me? 
look at that and say, hey, okay, my vision matches theirs. I want my vision to look in the same kind of respect that they do for those. And, and that's what Powell really was. And, and then the be demanding part about it was, look, carry it out. Don't compromise, right? And, and, and I say don't compromise in saying you're going to have challenges, you're going to have fixes, there's going to be, you know, past the change. But don't compromise in that vision. Don't compromise in that end state of where you want to be because it's important. Right. And that's what he's trying to say, or he was trying to say and still does through his rules. Right. The next one's really good. And and it I think it's super important. And that's don't take counsel of your fears, your naysayers. Look, look, too many times and we live in a world right now where, you know, negative negative press could be could be, you know, way more detrimental uh, and way more popular sometimes, uh, a sad fact, than than the good stuff and you know you can get ten thousand attaboys in one hey man and then right that, that can we, we've we've heard that before where you can lose someone's trust off one what's what's up why, why would you do that type of thing so i want you don't his his that little piece in that takeaway of don't take counsel of your fears your naysayers really is twofold right it's what am i worried about it can't control me Right. And then who's going to tell me no? And how do I overcome that? Right. So those two challenges are very separate, but very intricate into uh, making sure that you're that you're moving towards what you need to do. That's that's very interesting. And it's it's very that's self-driven. Right. If you think about it, it's a self-driven art to make sure that you can say, yeah, I don't care what people think about me and, or, Hey, I'm worried that these are going to happen and not let that be the driver of what's, what's happening. Right. And that's that don't take counsel of your fears. And the last one I love, and if you know me, you know, this is how I am. I would say 95% of the time it used to be 99, but now it's 95. I'll admit um, and that's perpetual optimism is a force multiplier. Listen, if you're walking around as a leader who's like the ER, woe is us, woe is me, we got screwed again. Those type, that is not, trust me, trust me. You want to be the person who's like flip, who's like this, right? Who's, who is, let's do this. How do we get it done? I'm ready to help you. What do we got, right? Are they annoying in the morning? 100%. Are they overridden on coffee and Red Bulls? Yes. But it's that it, it catches on, right? You build culture by being a perpetual, a perpetual optimistic person. You build that. People will catch on, right? The most unpopular people will get to that point. And it's the people who are the most, uh, I would say, um, pessimistic will turn and say, yeah, and instead of thinking about the negative, you think about the positive. And if a mistake happens, you think instantly about the, the learning lesson and, and how do we fix it and make it better. And you move on, right? You don't allow that darkness to, 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 to seep in, right? It's the small things, the ordinary, for ordinary folk that keeps the darkness at bay. Optimism is a small thing. You don't, you don't need anything just to, to, to be optimistic about stuff. We're going to get to do this. It's going to happen instead of, man, it never works out. We're never going to get it. 
right? I mean, that's just a simple mindset. Um, I, I think that's that's a incredible to me uh, rule that he that Powell has put down that I take on board and said, let's just stay positive. Oh, look, I get it. Negative things are going to happen. You're going to have a bad day. I understand that. Generally, out of the time, though, you want to be the most approachable. You want to be the most open-doored. You want to be the most, uh, you know, upbeat people. That people want to bring you their problems. He has another one where he talks about, you know, and, and I love this one from Powell. And this isn't one of his 13 rules, but it's something that he had said a long time ago. And that was, listen, he said soldiers. But he said, if soldiers stop bringing your problems, one of the two things that happen. One, they either don't trust you. or two. They don't think you can fix the problem. Either one is a failure of leadership. If you don't think that's powerful, you you shouldn't be a leader. That's powerful, right? And again, it's it's not one of his 13s, but it's one that he thought about. And man, being able, that's your job as a leader is to fix problems for people. Your job is to remove obstacles so your team and the people that you have the privilege to lead are are able to get the, the things done and the missions that you guys are trying to meet. And so, like, look, let's wrap it up. Um, going through Powell, you, you just stoic comes to mind. Um, you know, uh, humble, definitely servant, um, definitely a different type of general. It, it reminds me a lot of Omar Bradley and Patton and Mattis and Powell remind me of the two, even though they were a little bit different different generations with each other. They overlapped some. But, you know, I, I I can tell you how easy it is to go get Powell's 13 rules and just Google them and put them up on your wall near your cubicle at your office. And if, it, it, they're just they're so impactful. And, and I'll tell you what, they're impactful as a as a dad, as a husband, as a son, as a uh, you know, uncle and all the things that I am and, and what you are, too. All those are the titles you have. His rules don't just apply to leadership. They apply to every single thing in every single day. And so it ain't as bad as you think. It'll look better in the morning. Get mad and get over it. Avoid having your ego so close to your position that when your position falls, your ego does too. It can be done, right? Be careful what you choose. You just might get it, right? Don't let adverse facts stand in the way of a good decision. You can't make someone else's choices. You shouldn't let someone else make yours. Check the small things. Share credit. Remain calm and be kind. Have a vision. Be demanding. Don't tank counsel of your fears or your naysayers. And last is the perpetual optimism is a force multiplier. Listen. Thank you for coming on today for the mentor files. I'm always I'm always glad when I when I'm able to get uh, a five a five Thursday rotation from a month by month. Excited! Um, I got to do Mattis the first time. I got to do Powell today. We'll pick another one next time we have the five monther. But look, I just I want you. Know, Powell's are Powell's are the ones I started with. It was my first mentor that wasn't in front of me. I, I I read it through where I read it through. I want to leave you with I want to leave you with if 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 it worked for me, I want to leave you with that book because I'm gonna tell you, first of all, get the audiobook of it because he reads it to you. 
he it's it's not long either. It's a very short book if you think about it. It's only 279 pages, and they're not. I mean, he goes right into his 13 rules and why he he made them, and then he goes right into how all the stuff had affected him when he was you know a general, when he was Secretary of State, when he was. Uh, and afterwards, when people tried to get him to do things, and he was like, that's not me. I don't want to be that way. Um, you know, you can't make someone else's choices. Don't let them make yours. That was He lived that as soon as he was, he was done being Secretary of State. Thanks for stopping by the flip side of leadership today. Have a great rest of your, rest of your weekend. Uh, and as always, uh, flip out. We'll see you guys. Bye.